0: Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes and this is Let's Talk America. Today my guest uh, coming back, he's getting to be kind of a regular, I hope you all don't mind that, I find it very stimulating, It's Craig Bergman. Uh, a man of all seasons, as they used to say, uh, who has been involved in banking and finance, who knows a lot therefore about economics and uh, how to think through some of the challenges of our economic life. He's been an entrepreneur, he has been in film, a film producer, produced some uh, 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 wonderful documentaries and uh, and one on the uh, uh, fair tax, uh, that is especially noteworthy. Uh, but he's also involved uh, as an entrepreneur uh, in the whole Bitcoin phenomenon. Has been for some time, maybe one of the few people who understands what its prospects really are, and we've been talking about that during his visits here, trying to understand. Uh, how this relates, uh, especially to our politics, because that's a big interest of mine, but uh, also possible outcomes in it. So we're going to have a fascinating discussion, continuing what we started in the last show, and we'll be right back for it after these words.
1: More IMTV episodes? We are now streaming through Roku. Roku is a device that enables you to stream entertainment to your TV through your internet provider. The starting price is only $29, and you can purchase one either online or through your local electronics retailer. It's easy to use, and you won't have to worry about missing any more IMTV episodes. IMTV, changing the world.
0: Podcasts are great when you're a multitasking person. You can listen to them around the house, when you're out in the car, when you take a walk. Now, we have put our shows on to podcasts, and you can listen to Let's Talk America uh, on podcasts. You can find them at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and other apps. While you're there, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Thanks for listening and supporting us.
1: Together, we're changing the world.
0: of mine in the sense of our, of our continued and future self-government, uh, but as we were chatting a little bit before the program, we both had to acknowledge that, well, maybe we should have a little preliminary discussion, just looking at where things stand at the moment in terms of the prospect that are being offered to the country. Uh, because in a way that is unique, at least to me, you can correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, I think we're being offered a starker choice than perhaps we have ever had before in the history of the country, Uh, at at least since its very beginnings, but maybe not even then. Uh, And it's a stark choice between continuing to be a country in the sense that we know it, with a constitution, government of by and for the people, protection for individual rights and liberties, religious freedom, all these kinds of things, Uh, Or are we going to make a choice that I think it would have surprised people to even suggest we were thinking about 20 years ago uh, in favor of establishing a totalitarian, uh, bureaucratic, uh, basically communist, socialist party tyranny over the United States? Uh, At one time, I would have thought that uh, even though there are a lot of people who want to push us over that cliff, there are a lot more Americans who will resist going. But as I watch developments in the course of this election campaign, they talked about Trump derangement syndrome. I think we need to take the Trump out of it and simply examine the possibility that there are a lot of folks in this country through a combination of things who have literally given up their sanity and are listening to and responding to things that simply don't make sense that would have a devastating impact on the future of the country, and yet they seem to be seriously considering that we need to do this somehow in atonement for our sins, most of which turn out to be unsupported in fact.
1: What do you think? Wow. Well, I think there's three elements to that, and I'm just going to start at the head of it all. Uh, It says very clearly in Romans, that if you pick up certain behaviors of certain demographics that fit the majority of the folks we're talking about there, that God himself will give you over to a reprobate mind. So if you want to lose the ability to possess reason, if you want to lose the ability of knowledge, did not retain in their knowledge God, Uh, I can't think of any better way to do it than to be supporting what the Democrats are doing. As you said very succinctly, you know, it would be things unimaginably unthinkable and and let's just put it out there just exactly what it is. Uh, They talked about dynamiting and blowing up Mount Rushmore. Okay. This, this is, this is not a kook fringe element. Okay. This is their voting base. This is as real to them as you and i talking about abolishing the irs or the united nations they're serious about this and they're tearing down statues and they're plowing over uh monuments and and this is happening and it's been happening on a smaller scale i'm going to say something now very unpopular with the republican folks but i imagine the folks in your audience uh are are gifted to it but this whole tear the monuments thing down started with none other than the governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, with the Confederate flag almost a decade and a half ago. And this, this, is, this is where we are now. When you start erasing history for political correctness, there's no end to it. Because as you said, it's not a real sin. It's a fake sin in a fake religion. And you can never atone with deeds for something that isn't there
0: well and and something also I I mean because in certain respects uh, I would I was saying about you know the police brutality and all that they've taken an episode blown it up in a way that doesn't correspond to reality and everybody is now on their high horse talking about systemic racism and other things that are pure fictions and, and that ought to have no place in our thinking because we don't hold collectives responsible for individual acts. We hold individuals responsible for them. Uh, Now, if we lived in communist China or we lived in ancient China or we lived in certain other countries during periods of of, uh, a collective responsibility, which has been known to be a form of government, um, that, that might be understandable, but it would be entirely incompatible with everything else going on in our way of life including some things, by the way, uh, Craig, that the the Democrat leftist progressives, they're they're always pushing hard. So the same people who wanna kill babies with abortion and license all kinds of sexual licentiousness in a way that will eventually encourage exploitative sexuality, uh, uh, sexual slavery, pedophilia, you name it, those very people, and, and, I, and I would think they would be people who would see all of that as championing individual liberty, the right of individuals to decide who they are when they get up in the morning, whether they're man or a woman, and ignore science and ignore anything else objective. Uh, they're pushing all of that at the same time that they seem to be pushing us toward a result that will turn us into a collective where there will be no such individual freedom because there will be no such individual choices. See, it's totally insane you think most well, people are worse putting than that
1: even yes because the democrats are the ones behind the me too movement protecting women from sexual abuse of the very predators in their party okay harvey weinstein is not a republican al franken was not a republican uh kevin spacey was not a republican jeffrey epstein was not a republican This is their doing. It's the same thing. And I'm going to go again where maybe some in the audience don't want to go. But municipal police were created in the South to enforce voting laws against black people. And now the very thing they made, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And somehow they want to blame that on Trump as if suddenly, magically, 180 years of history
0: is gone. But this is one of the fundamental problems you put your finger on there with the whole, I don't know, it's a a kind of manipulative uh, drama that's being staged for the benefit of trying to defeat Donald Trump while ignoring every palpable fact that is inconsistent (laughs) with the narrative. One fact that is inconsistent with the narrative is the very uh, existence of the Democrats as credible champions of justice for black people when, if you throw, uh, if there was a timeline of American history, you could throw a dart at just about any particular moment in that timeline before you get to the 1960s, and there would be the Democratic Party enslaving blacks, abusing blacks, lynching blacks, starting the KKK, segregating black people, doing everything conceivably possible to stomp down, enslave, and otherwise immiserate black folks. The Democrats were not champions Of liberty and justice for black people. Uh, They they were in fact champions of slavery and segregation. Jim Crow and adamant opponents of the changes that then took place in the mid uh, to late 20th century uh, in the United States. Suddenly we're to believe that these guys want to tear down all the statues. I haven't noticed a statue of Robert Byrd coming down anywhere though even though he was big in the KKK at one point, and one of the
1: leaders of the Democrat party for what seemed like forever. <laughs> no, the quotes coming out from Joe Biden in his past are, I mean, Hitler said things that way. So I don't even want to repeat them on here, but everyone's seen the memes of, of Joe Biden talking about what happens when black people go to the same schools as white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you, you forget that dartboard goes all the way through the 70s to today because all the Democrat Party did is switch from overtly hanging and lynching and killing black people to Margaret Sanger's final solution of aborting him in the womb at a 70 percentile.
0: Well, and they're so, big and they're big now as sponsors of the more neo-Nazi style approach to lockdowns and wearing masks and otherwise controlling people because Uh, of the coronavirus and all of these things. And yeah, and this combined with Black Lives Matter means we got, and one of the things they're proposing to do for black people, according to uh, Bill Gates, who is a a big champion of this, uh, if we get a vaccine, he wants to make absolutely sure that black folks are the first uh, group of people. They stand first in line to get the vaccine. Uh, And and what we're supposed to ignore, just like we ignore all the other history that the Democrats have had and people championing the story. We're supposed to ignore the fact that Bill Gates got involved in a big problem in Africa, so big that they're still demonstrating against the idea of forcible vaccination because he was involved in uh, a a vaccine that uh, was found by medical people as well as uh, bishops in Africa uh, who spoke out against it and so forth. It was laced with something that, that inhibited uh, pregnancy, either shut it down or prevented it, right? Uh, because it eliminated one of the things that comes, that, that is produced in abundance in the body so that women can uh, properly uh, develop, the child can properly develop in the woman's body and the woman's body properly reacts to the child. Um, and, and so here you got a guy saying, black people should take the vaccine first, when a lot of black folks in Africa who have had first-hand experience with it, and and it ought to include some brown people down in South America, by the way, because apparently this stuff was first tried on them, Uh, and he stuck it in there without telling anybody, without letting people know that they were being sterilized. And then they established a regimen for taking it that was confined to uh, uh, African uh, 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 young women uh, uh, of of the, uh, you know, very marriageable, a uh, kind of age where they would be fertile and ready for pregnancy uh, targeted them in two-stage doses that were not characteristic by the way of, of, of vaccinations and they appeared to be running a little experiment so Bill Gates apparently believes that unbeknownst to them black people are blessed to be used as guinea pigs for the project of ethnic sterilization. Does that seem harsh? Yeah, I think that's pretty harsh. No.
1: Alan, it is mind numbing and it is completely true and completely factual. And nobody can look at this objectively and come to anything but one of two conclusions. Okay? These are the most inept, incompetent, unlucky people ever the Bill Gates, the Hillary Clintons, the Obamas, the the rhinos, the McCains, even Governor Abbott in Texas, they just, they don't know these facts, they're getting the wrong information, they're coming to the wrong conclusions, they're, they're overreaching, it's just so tiring. Or you have to come to the sober conclusion that they know exactly what they're doing, that this was exactly planned. And when Bill Gates says he wants to have brown and black people take the vaccine first, that you might as well just put him up there with Adolf Hitler and say he's got a final solution, part two coming. And anyone, th- 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 those are the only two positions you can have. Now, you can have something on the spectrum, okay, but those are the only two conclusions you can come to. And obviously, I, speaking for myself, uh, am of the uh, opinion that since they've done it three or four times, they probably really mean it this time too.
0: Well, if, if you look at that in terms of what's been happening with the Black Lives Matter phenomena, and I think more and more people, and particularly more and more people in the black community are starting to wake up and look at what Black Lives Matter is really about. And prominent, for instance, in their catalog of things to do is encourage the dissolution and destruction of the family. Get rid of it. Now, between you and me, I think a lot of folks, whether Democrat, Republican, left, right, they know that one of the harshest truths is that the black community suffers egregiously from the breakdown of the family. You add that to promoting rampant abortion, which has reduced the population in the black community, drastically, and it, it doesn't strike me as an approach that particularly cares about black lives. Because if you cared about black lives, you'd want strong families, you'd want children raised in a context where they'd get good, solid guidance from parents who loved them, where they would know their individual worth and come to understand their individual responsibilities in a way that would benefit them and the people they work with and the community in which they live. Black Lives Matter takes the exact opposite approach. You would also think that people all head up about, let's tear down all the slaveholders' statues, and so forth and so on. And then they're out there advocating an approach to government that is massive totalitarian enslavement of the great bulk of the population to a handful of creatures in a ruling party who then get to extinguish life on massive scale and have done so repeatedly in the regime subject to this kind of totalitarian socialism. Um, Precisely because, and if you think that black lives matter, shouldn't you reject the organization that calls itself by that name in order to treat black people as if, one, they're worthless and should be used for experiments in ethnic extinction, and two, they're stupid because they won't get the fact that everything we stand for is part of what has destroyed, immiserated, weakened, and degraded black communities throughout the world, not just the United States. Am I making sense?
1: Well, it's even worse because uh, uh, that litany of sins you outlined, you left out one of the other most obvious ones that comes from the counterpoint of view of the Republican Party, and that's the issue of the Second Amendment. We have eight cities in America where you literally cannot own a firearm because the burdens are so onerously high that self-defense has been removed as a possibility for anyone, of any race, of any color, of any means, and they kill 100 black people every day combined or every weekend, every week in these cities. Yes. Uh, It's interesting, though, because
0: we actually, I think— from the reports that I read, you got a case in point in this chop, chaz, whatever uh, uh, this, this abomination was called when it was in existence, in which people with guns took over a part of uh, uh, Seattle, and then started in on extorting people for money, raping folks in their, in, in their very homes, and so forth and so on, all uh, while they were armed and others were not. And it, and it seems to me to be a case in point. Was somebody trying purposely to disarm uh, black folks in these communities so they wouldn't be able to defend themselves against the stormtroopers when they took over? I don't know. Uh, but it begins to look suspiciously as if we were watching a, a kind of narrative dress rehearsal for this very process. Uh, here's my question Do you think, as they watch this, And here I'm not just talking about black Americans, I'm talking about black Americans, white Americans, Democrats, Republicans, all people at the grassroots throughout this country who care about being free people in the sense of responsible for your own self-government and respected in the worth and dignity God intended for you in terms of your responsibility to take care of your family and your community by decisions for which you take responsibility. Can anybody look at what's going on and not see that if they care about what I just spoke about, they would have to be adamantly opposed to everything that the Black Lives Matters and Democrats are now promoting as the future of this country?
1: Well, I have some very bad news there. And uh, we haven't really talked about it much in my Renaissance background. But uh, in addition to being a filmmaker and a banker and an entrepreneur, I'm also a musician, okay? I I play guitar and I sing and I've had bands in bars and playing rock and roll, you know? Mm. Uh, And uh, I have a lot of friends who are from that world and they're not part of my political world, they're not part of the religious world, they're not part of the entrepreneurial world. They know me as the singer guy who, you know, does this heavy metal kind of thing. And they have long hair and tattoos and they're of all different kinds of races and all different kinds of genre, uh, from electronic to rap to metal to country. And I stay in touch with them to keep myself grounded because Hmm. I know they are not plugged in like we are. I know they are not watching what we're watching. Hmm. And I know and can tell you that they do not see this contradiction. What they see and what they hear, and they'll tell it to you straight up, they agree with everything you just said, comma, orange man bad. And that's it. And it goes no further than that. There's no difference between Joe Biden and sniffing women's hair, and Trump saying the comments that he said when he was a candidate four years ago on the campaign trail, And in their mind, they do not see that their liberty is at stake or that their vote makes a difference. And I don't know how to reach them. Hmm. Sometimes they come to me and ask, but they know I'm a little bit on the, you know, daddy side. I'm going to tell them like it really is and preach a little to them. And sometimes they just don't want to hear that. Hmm. And so they won't even ask. And I watch what they post on their Facebook I watch what they comment on on mine and what they don't comment on. And I don't know how to reach those people other than the fact that that's why I am motivated to make films and have music and impact that side of the culture because, you know, those people, we were talking uh, before the show started, you know, about the impact Kanye West is going to have. Mm. Okay. And he's he's all over the map, whether he's, running for president against Donald Trump or running because of an ego or running because God called him to do it. Uh, I'm not gonna say at this point that I know what that means until I really see where he's on the ballot and what states are in play and how the polling is working. And I don't think we're gonna see any of that till probably September at the earliest because those people are not paying attention. They're not reading my Facebook posts. They're not watching your television show and until some other vehicle exists to reach them, they're not even watching Fox News or MSNBC. I,
0: I, I'm not sure. In my own mind, I, I, I tend to think that trying to help and educate and otherwise uh, evangelize, if I may use that word, uh, uh, folks who aren't thinking, is part of why I do this show. But I also do it for another reason, and we can talk a little bit about that in the start of the second segment. Because there's this other large group of people who are being influenced by the whole Black Lives Matter phenomenon uh, who are Christian folks, who are seized with a crisis of conscience that we need to be kowtowing to Black Lives Matters and making gestures to show how uh, servile we can become in terms of uh, uh, somehow making up for the sins of all the people who did anything to uh, black folks and so forth and so on. Uh, and, and it looks as if they are also uh, suffering from a studious loss of sanity. What effect is that gonna have? I'll talk to Craig about that right after we get back. Hi, I'm Alan Keyes. I just wanna let you know that on a recurring basis every Tuesday, we're going to have a guest, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. He's going to be joining us to talk about the whole array of challenges, both in terms of our health as a people and as individual and our health as a nation. We'll be looking at those things through the eyes of someone who has thought deeply about many things and who has many great ideas to share with me and with you and with everyone who tunes in to Let's Talk America on Tuesdays when we meet with the Health Ranger, to talk about how we sustain the health of our liberty. Welcome back. I've been talking to Craig Bergman. We've been getting a little bit into uh, the challenges, let me use that word to be polite, uh, that I think are now confronting the country as we get into the last stages Uh, of this election cycle and are looking at all of the things that have been staged, and I use that word advisedly, in order to try to stampede the American electorate in a direction that could end up throwing away everything that the nation has accomplished because we never accomplished it. You have noticed that, right, about all of these protesters and everything. Nothing good ever happened in America. Matter of fact, we should abolish the Fourth of July because America didn't start on the Fourth of July. Americans started on the first day that black slaves were introduced into the country in 1619 at Jamestown, as if the Spanish and the Portuguese and other people hadn't been introducing slaves all throughout the Americas wherever they set foot uh, during the course of uh, a century or more before that. Uh, we won't talk about that because we should only listen to the lies that these people are telling us about ourselves so that we think it's all wickedness and awfulness. Civil war never occurred. Slavery is still in existence. Everybody is still miserable. Nobody is being treated with any respect because of the white patriarchal uh, society and because of of, uh, the systemic racism and and all the nonsense. Uh, They've degraded every last aspect of our history. And the thing that I would have to tell you, Craig, surprises me most right this minute is that you have a lot of folks, including in the leadership of some of the big denominations uh, and in the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope and bishops all throughout the country, um, who are signing on to an agenda that actually eviscerates the fundamental tenets of Christianity. Rejecting God, rejecting the sense of individual responsibility before God, rejecting the path of salvation that God offers through forgiveness, and touting, instead, an agenda that seems to me based on violence and vengeance and hatred of all things and anybody that has ever done you the slightest bit of harm. So it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, Uh, none of this, uh, you know, uh, do good to them that hurt you, um, or forgive your enemies, nothing nothing like that. It's like Christianity, in, in even its most elementary aspects, has been thrown out the window. So these people can worship this new idol, and the new idol turns out to be a narrative in which black folks like myself are supposed to be worshiped because somebody did something bad to us, and therefore you must do something bad to the entire world by destroying the bad old United States, which was the champion of the very ideas that then led people to rebel against what had been an age-old practice but also an age-old way of governing that had few people mattering much and all the rest mattering not at all. And they want to take us back
1: there. Does that make sense? How is this happening to Christian people? Well, I think the, the point we have to go right to right away is the revelation of Jesus Christ to St. John, because in the seven letters to the seven churches, he told us exactly what stage the church would go through And very sadly, we have to say that this might be the hour of Laodicea, the great falling away. This is the time where Christianity is either going to have a third great awakening for real and a new century. You know, we're going to either we are going to be Nineveh and we're either going to be Nineveh that repents in sackcloth and ashes and gains another century of freedom and opportunity or we're going to be the Nineveh 100 years after Jonah that didn't repent and got wiped off the face of the earth. Mm. And there's no two ways about it. And the sad news, of course, is when you wipe the United States and everything it stands for off the earth, there's nobody else coming to save the rest of the world. Mm. We're the last match in the fingertip. And if it burns down and we go... Ow, it's dark mm. and the last dark age lasted almost a thousand years uh, I have the feeling with nuclear weapons and the technology that we have now to abuse people that this dark age will last uh, dare I say three and a half years
0: well but, but let me sort of examine one aspect of that in terms of the Christian understanding right because What I find most appalling and have for 30 years, I guess, or more, that I've been involved in politics. Uh, The first part of that 30 years, um, I, I got involved in presidential race back in 96. Got a wonderful response to my emphasis on the fact that we had to return to the bedrock premise of our way of life, which is that we are creatures of God endowed by him with certain unalienable rights which means as individuals we stand before him accountable, not just uh, having freedom, but accountable for the way in which we use our freedom. So that if we use it to do wrong, we fail, and if we use it to do right, we have an unalienable right that government can't stomp on to continue with what we're doing in God's name. Um, Now you would think, that in every generation there would have been Christian people who would champion that understanding. And I would argue that there were, in fact, such people. And that all the great breakthroughs, including the most massively challenging one against the institution of slavery, were made by and under the leadership of people who were thinking like responsible Christian people at the time, understanding that our first vocation is righteousness before God. Do people read the declaration now and forget that that's its basic premise? The whole concept of I rights, know, I know that a lot of the mindless libertarians and other people have looked at the declaration and they read the word rights as if it means freedoms, but it does not. Right means the exercise, the putting into action of right, right? Those, that's what rights are where do we get the idea of what's right from as opposed to what's wrong the standard that allows us to recognize what's right it comes as part of the endowment by our creator that is to say the substance of our understanding of right and wrong comes from the creator he has willed it to us through his act of creation and of course who is the agent of that creation we're told in the scripture, if you're a Christian people, right? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Um, and through and the, the Word was made flesh. Was all, were all things made, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and that was Jesus Christ. That's the Christian understanding. Are they just absolutely, because it seems to me that in terms of the basic precepts, Martin Luther King was somebody who exampled the basic precepts. That's why, I believe, he undertook to change the nation's stance on segregation, Jim Crow, all of this stuff, but he did it nonviolently. It's as if we're now supposed to believe that never happened, he never lived, and the only way one can achieve victory, which some people thought had already been won in very uh, important ways, uh, but since Martin Luther King, his life apparently didn't matter. He was a black guy, but his life didn't matter because if you paid attention to his life, you would have thought there was a great breakthrough for justice, there was a great breakthrough, and it was based on non-violence, it was based on a Christian understanding of how you go about fighting justice. Why are so many Christian denominations and Christian leaders, including, I say it again, I keep repeating this because I'm a Catholic and so I have to remind people every now and again <laughs> that I'm not excluding the Pope, that including uh, uh, Pope Francis, they all seem ready to abandon that fundamental sense of what we are obliged to do as Christian people and the fact that great breakthroughs occurred against injustice because Americans insisted on standing up for righteousness even though it risked and cost their lives. Am I missing something? Why don't these people reject all this vengeful garbage that's being offered as a substitute for what we have already seen work in our history, which is a prayerful determination to do right, no matter what threatens our determination to do it.
1: Well, I think we can go right back to the letter Paul wrote to the Galatians when he asked them that same question. You foolish Galatians, are you bewitched? Have you forgotten the gospel we've given you already so soon? I mean, these were taking place, in Laodicea, a real church at the real time of John, uh, in, the, in Corinth, uh, Paul had to write back to them and say, wait a minute, guys, I was just there last Tuesday, and now what are, you, what are you preaching here? So the tendency to self-worship is a really, really high phenomenon. I mean, we are created to respond to our Creator, And we have a very, very easy tendency to be pulled aside to some other gospel, everything but the creator. And uh, I just think that what's happening at this time is what we would call in basketball a full court press or in football a blitz. And society's had them from time to time. And you watch Nations crumbled. Germany was a Western Christian. I mean, Martin Luther came from Germany. How could they have possibly forgotten that and decided to go with Hitler? Um, and you know, Russia, China, uh, the United—we're not unique as a people, different from any other people. We're unique in that we set aside those differences from time to time to achieve the greater good. But I think Ronald Reagan put it most eloquently when he said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction, not limits, not divisiveness, but extinction. And that's what we're looking at, especially with this election and how hard they're pushing everything. This is, as we say in astronomy, when a big rock from space is heading at you, an extinction level event.
0: Well, see, I think so, but one thing that bothers me, and has, because this puts these two crises together as part of the same attack. Uh, we, we saw, I believe, a demonstration of the fact that Americans are still folks who will sometimes ask not what their country's doing for them, but what they can do for their country. And if that question can, was, was raised by the COVID-19 crisis, And people looked at them and said, well, what you can do is go home, shelter in place, uh, you're safer at home, all this stuff, and and put on your masks, and and that'll help deal with the situation. A lot of them didn't feel comfortable with that, but I thought they did it anyway. And, And that the fact that they did was a remarkable indication that there is still, in the people of the United States, a spirit that says that they can serve the common good, that they care about that. And that if you put them on the spot, they will do things injurious to themselves in order to serve it. The sad truth is, though, Craig, that I think in this circumstance, this time, an enemy saw that and decided to exploit it. I think that enemy was China. And I am among the people who, having read through a lot of stuff about this, have reached a conclusion for myself. I'm not saying anybody else has to accept this. But for myself, I think we were attacked. I think they deliberately planned the attack, developed the virus or viruses, because I don't think it's over yet, uh, that we are going to be exposed to, um, and were pushing us precisely at a point of vulnerability because they thought we would respond the way we did and crash the economy, right? Even though it meant that sacrifice, we'd still do it, and we obliged. Now, I don't take away from that a bad feeling against my fellow Americans. I take away a really bad feeling one against the country that attacked us, made us an enemy in this nefarious way that they had signed a treaty saying they would never, never ever do such things and develop such weapons, so did we, and they deployed one against us, that's my assertion here, Um, and it's just my own personal belief, but I've read a lot of stuff and it leads me to think that's what is happening, right? And in addition to it all, they have a lot of fifth column co-operators in our media, in our universities, and in the Democrat Party, in particular, who are working so that it happens. And we've suddenly gone from the mode of loving America, serving America when we are called to do it, while benefiting from America because of the liberty that we're given and our uh, willingness to try to use it rightly. No, we've gone from that to being people cowering and, and fearful and subject to all kinds of little neo-Nazi tyrannical uh, maneuvers by governors and mayors and other people while they stand back, let chaos reign, let cities burn in order to keep us in fear so that that terror will justify the total overthrow of our way of life. I think that's what's going on and I'm wondering why Christian folks who understand and should on the Fourth of July not be listening to a lot of people talking bunk about how it wasn't the start of the country It it was the start of the country, and the reason we celebrated on the 4th rather than the 2nd when the actual vote took place to uh, go against Great Britain and declare independence, that was the vote, the 2nd, not the 4th, what happened on the 4th was that they got together, they had finalized the Declaration of Independence and they signed it. They wanted us to look at those words every year, to think through their significance, and the concept with which they began was reverence for the laws of nature and of nature's God, respect for the endowment of God, and the responsibility for unalienable rights that we all of us share in equally as we stand before God, accounting for our use of His endowment. Um, Why would the churches want to act as if that didn't happen and go along with a movement that spits on that understanding which is exactly the understanding you would want a nation to have if you were beginning from the premises of respect for the biblical God of the Old Testament and His Son Jesus Christ. Uh, Why don't they get this? Why are they going hankering after all these moments? And Black Lives Matter says practically on the first page that they are godless, anti-family, and in favor of every form of licentiousness that God condemns. How do Christians excuse this in themselves?
1: Well, they have replaced God with an image of themselves and its self-worship. There is no But it's not an image of say- ourselves.
0: It's not. We are made in the image and likeness of God. So if you're going to worship yourself, you should worship God first because otherwise you can't possibly know who you are. They're worshiping some degradation of that. They're worshiping something that they have made with their own hands that has eyes but cannot see, and ears that cannot hear, and a mouth that cannot speak anything but lies. Why are we worshiping that? Because that's not who we are.
1: Well, again, it's that counterfeit. That's the the point I'm making there. And it, it comes like this. You're right when you say... America is moral. They want to do the right thing. That's why they put on a mask. That's why they stayed home. That's why they go to a protest and and try to fight injustice and, in, and corruption in our bureaucracies and police. But because they have forgotten God in their knowledge, if I borrow from uh, Solzhenitsyn um, and, and, and Romans, of course, where he got it from, uh, that's, that's actually what's happening is we are watching a counterfeit version of morality systemically across the entire thing from the Catholic Church to the Southern Baptist Convention. They are replacing the Christ with an antichrist.
0: See, I think that you ha- have said a lot of truth in that. But in this last five minutes here, I see that But I think that that is in fact an effect of a self-serving elite. I call it the elitist faction because elite is a word that can have positive connotations. I don't want to destroy those connotations. We should strive to be outstanding. There's no harm in it. Uh, And people who strive to be outstanding and succeed are going to stand away from the crowd, right? Uh, And therefore, they're going to be identified as people who are better at that and this and the other thing than other folks. Uh, That's a kind of inequality uh, that I think makes a great contribution to human life and human betterment. But it has to be guided by a righteous understanding of our responsibility before God so that people do not puff themselves up to be as gods, repeating Eve's original sin, and then seek to stomp out everybody on the basis of a false notion of inequality that forgets that before God and in our responsibility to Him, we are all of us responsible to do right and not wrong with whatever faculties, talents, abilities, opportunities, and powers we have. And I think we now have an elite that is on that road, and and, and they have nothing to do with the understanding that the country was founded on and wish to overturn and destroy it, uh, and are creating a situation in which the people who would still resist will be regimented in such a way that they won't even be able to assemble together to talk about how they will resist this tyranny. Isn't that interesting? So that the COVID crisis produces the evisceration of this vital aspect of the First Amendment freedom of assembly, so that we forget that we can't be who we are if we don't get together to work out what it is we must do in order to defend our
1: righteousness, which is the basis for our rights. Do I make sense? You do, and I think I wanna point out the very stark difference there, because the Republicans under Donald Trump's leadership, and it's Trump who was doing it, there were many Republicans trying to resist him, they're going to have a convention where the delegates can assemble and can discuss their platform and can nominate their candidates and can advance their worldview. And the Democrats are gonna do it all online and all scripted and all remote. And there's no opportunity for them to deviate from whatever their elites tell them.
0: And and, and that, that means they all, to. all by the electric uh, electronic means which they have been studiously uh, seeking to implement as a way of fraudulently producing outcomes in votes. Oh, did
1: I say that? Yes, I did. I think you've gone Um, full circle
0: now. uh, I'm one of those people who believes that it's the worst thing we could possibly do, turn our elections over to machines that we don't understand, producing results that we can't challenge effectively, because it's not just a matter of counting them, uh, but trying to follow up on what the machine did while it was supposed to be counting them. See, I think turning over our elections to that kind of elite control is madness. It's another symptom of our insanity. Suicide. Right? Uh, but uh, uh, but I think that they've tried to discourage even the kinds of things we had done. I mean, conventions at the state level that, that are having trouble taking place now. Uh, and They want to do it by virtual means. And you know, that usually means cheating too, in my opinion, because I have no uh, faith at all in the electric, electronic uh, uh, means of counting votes. I think they are so easily manipulated it would surprise most people, but only by people in the know, only by those who have the understanding of how you go about doing it. Um, anyway, I think we've again come to a point where we've spent the whole show kind of analyzing the problem. Not my favorite thing to do, but I think that it's sometimes imperative because if people don't know the problem we're facing and then start thinking about the wonderful future that's part of what the commies do to fool us into slavery see? don't concentrate on what's going on right now yeah your cities are burning and you're being raped and people are being killed and we're extorting money from you but don't worry because utopia is coming see and they all of them said that for decades and utopia never came because they institute the worst form of government the form of government that suppresses human ingenuity human creativity human responsibility for one another and instead wants everybody to worship a human construct called the totalitarian party and and worship that construct as God ignoring all the provision of God whether for right or for health or for decency uh, while we do it and it just doesn't work Um, and I have to say Craig uh, we, we still owe ourselves a show where we talk about that more positive future, and we will, because I think that that's important, but events are liable to overtake us if we do, do not think those events through as we are trying to do in this program, as I've been striving to do on other programs, because the American people need above all to get back to a solid understanding of what makes us who we are as a free people, what gave us the ground for battling injustice and for succeeding, in fact, at suppressing some of the worst evils that ever faced mankind. But you can't, you can't know how you survive if you have forgotten who you are because then you won't have the faintest idea what it is you are striving to preserve. So that's what we've been talking through. I hope you will give it serious thought. I say that at the end of these shows more than ever. You must ponder these things, reflect on them, work it out, and think through how it relates to your responsibility as we once again go forward, hopefully, to exercise, I hope for not the last time, uh, our role as the self-governed citizens of the United States. Think about it, and then join us again here at Let's Talk America.